All right, if you will, take your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2, the title of our message tonight is Useless Religiosity. I knew I was going to mess that one up. Religious, useless religiosity. All right, and as we get into the message tonight, I know what what you're going to see is um, some of the things that I was talking about this morning. Because what I kept going to, the the subjects were so similar uh, in our morning uh, study and and what we're looking at tonight, I found myself going into tonight's message this morning. Uh, But we're covering a lot of the same ideas, a lot of the same things, but two different books of the Bible, it just so happened that God put them together, I think because uh, He wants us to understand it a little bit better. And the more we study that particular thing, the more that it's repeated, we will understand it a little better. So Colossians chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 16 through 23 tonight. Useless religiosity. All right, so let's read verses 16 through 23 together. Let no one judge you, so let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Tonight we're talking about useless religiosity. Let's pray together, please. Father, you are so good to us, and we thank you for a wonderful day. How lovely it's been outside, the weather that we have, not too hot, not too cold, just right. And Father, we thank you that we're able to gather into your house to worship you in spirit and in truth, to to follow you, Lord, to to seek you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, so that as we come before you, we can be pleasing to you. Father, so we open ourselves up to you tonight. We ask that you you teach us. I pray that you will lead us by your spirit so that we will be pleasing to you uh, in our worship and in our praise. So, Father, tonight, here we are. Meet with us again and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so useless religiosity tonight. All right, so let's go to verse 16. And the very first word of of, of verse 16 is so. And and the word so in Scripture placed in this way is kind of like the word therefore. So you've got to kind of back up just a little bit. It refers to something that's already been said and then it gives you principles to follow up what has already been said. So going back just a little bit, look in verse 11. And it says, in him 
you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So look at the tense of that statement. It says there, you were. That's past tense. That means it's been done, been completed, taken care of. Now going forward, look at verse 12. Buried with Him in baptism. Buried, past tense. Okay, then verse 13. You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your heart, He has made alive together with Him. Has made, again, past tense. Having, having forgiven, past tense. Having already wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Again, all these things are past tense. But they have been done and completed, but the work carries forward forever. It's not like past tense is over and done with and, and, and you never have to think about it again. What it, what it means is those things have been completed for us. Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Past tense. Those, this is the completed work of Christ. So, or because of, or therefore, since all these things have been completed, let no one judge you in food or in drink, in, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ." The substances of Christ. Now, what he's saying there, he says, look, we don't, we don't abide by the law anymore. We don't have to worry about what was said and done about the traditions of men. We have been saved by Christ. And because all those things that they are following, the, the re religious uh, regulations and the, the sacrificial system and all those things, observing of the festivals, all those things were pointing to Christ from the past and whenever Christ completed His work, He fulfilled all those things. So instead of working about or worrying about what, uh, what day it is or, or what festival we have to attend or what law we have to do or what sacrifice we have to make, it's over with. It's done because Christ has completed that work. The sacrificial system, as you know, just think about the Passover. The Passover observant, or the first time when it was instituted in Egypt, they killed a Passover lamb. They put the blood on the doorpost and, and so that, the, the, uh, that God would, would pass over those and not cause one of the, the firstborn of the household to die. So Christ, being the, the ultimate Passover lamb, He completed it. He fulfilled the Passover. All of the just take the items in the temple, the, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the, uh, even the mercy seat of Christ. Uh, uh, the, I'm sorry, the mercy seat uh, on the Ark of the Covenant. All those, everything pointed to the Christ coming, the Lord Jesus Christ coming and fulfilling the Word of God. So, instead of having now, uh, as Paul is writing to the Colossians, what they were going through, is they were, people were telling them that, hey, you've got to do more than just accept Christ. You've got to do more than follow Christ. You've got to follow the commandments of Moses. You've got to be circumcised. 
You've got to have a superior knowledge and all these things. And Paul is trying to get them back to understand, no, it's just Jesus. That's it. So as people were, uh, were regulating and, and you know, they had their festivals and if you didn't attend the festival, you could be get kicked out of the synagogue and if you didn't do a certain uh, washing before you ate or if you ate the wrong foods, all those things... Uh, they were just regulations set on them by men. But as the Scripture says, all of these things were shadows of Christ who was to come. They all pointed to Christ and Christ fulfilled them, so He is the substance of those things, those regulations that they had in the Old Testament fulfilled in the New Testament so that we can operate by grace not by the law. The law was never intended for salvation. Grace is the only way to be saved. The law brought your attention to your sin so that you could run to God for His grace. Now look in verses 18 and 19 with me. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, which is, uh, I'm sorry, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. The head is Christ. The head of the church is Christ. It's not whoever's the most spiritual is the leader. Because all of these things, look what he says, worship of angels, intruding into those things, uh, taking the, regarding religious festivals and new moons and Sabbaths and, and who can do this and who can do that. You know, it gets to be a competition sometimes among those who are just in a religious mindset. Because when you get in a religious mindset, it's all about what you do and what other people do and how you're better than them and how you can score more than them and, and you can uh, elevate yourself above them. But what the writer is trying to say here is it's not about those things because Jesus is the head of the church. So don't worry about the, the regulations that men try to put on you. Don't worry about those things that... that uh, you know, every, some people may say are important because they're not. Most of the things that, are, that go forward like that are fake outward appearances. Think about what the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees did. They, they dressed in their long robes. They had, their tassels had to be a certain way. They had to have scriptures hanging from their forehead and, and on their, the hems of their garments. And the more they had, the more religious they appeared. And the longer they prayed in, in the open, out in the public, the, you know, the more spiritual they pretended to be. And people gave them a higher regard. And all of those things are just outward appearances of religion. But just like I heard someone say this week about Miss Margaret Brent, who was a quiet lady. Uh, until you got to talking her, with her about the Bible, and then she would, she would, uh, her knowledge was outstanding. But she was a prayer warrior at home, away from everybody else, not out in front of everybody, 
you know, just looking upon her, you, you say, well, she was a, a nice elderly lady who came to church. And that's, that's what she appeared to be, and she was, but she was also a, a, a warrior for the kingdom of God. It wasn't about what people saw her do. It's about what she and God accomplished together in prayer. Think about that. Fake outward appearances or really true heartfelt growth in God and obedience to Him. Verse 19, he's not holding fast to the head. You see, what people were doing is they were trying to lead people astray uh, with their false humility and different things like that, and they had turned loose of the doctrines of Christ. They had turned loose of the head of the church, the one who saved them. They had disregarded him, and they were starting to work for, or trying to work for their salvation. What they forgot was they were leaving the truth, and they were holding on to falsehoods. So what we need to make sure we do is remember that Jesus is the head of the church. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. As He directs the church, the church moves. As He uh, calls us to work, then we work. You see, we've got to make sure we check with Him first. He is the, the first thing that we need to do uh, before we start anything else. On the earth. Any product that you buy now, it gives you a, a, a directions, a directions of use. Step one, directions for use for the Christian. Step one, seek Christ. Seek His will. Check with Him. Ever how you want to phrase that. Step one, make sure that you go to the head and the rest of the body follows the head. Now, because in verse 19... It says there, the head from whom all the body grows with the increase that is from God. The body benefits from the leadership of the head. But when the body tries to get it out of whack and lead itself instead of following the head, that's when we get disjointed. That's when the body ceases to function the way that the body is supposed to function. And the church then, at that point, is a useless religiosity organization. Now, let's move on to verse 20 through 23. Christ is the substance, the head is Christ, and then verse 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ, you see, our death with Christ is the key. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though, as, as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concerns things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. You see, those two verses, or three verses, all of that is one big question. It's saying, if you died with Christ, why are you obeying the rules of the world? Why are you seeking the world's attention? Why are you following, following the ways of the world if you died with Christ? The most important thing is... is We've got to remember we are not our own to make those decisions for ourselves. You go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live for Christ who died for me or who gave himself for me. You see, he said, I have died, and it is Christ's life now that I live. 
He lives in and through me. When, because Christ calls us to die, to give ourselves to Him. He calls us to lay down our life and follow Him. Remember what Jesus said. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? You see, he's saying to us that, you know, if you, if you want true life, you will lay it down. Your life, you will lay it down. Because if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you go ahead and lose your life by giving it to Christ, he will give it back to you in a greater abundance than you will ever have. And we must, we must follow him and not worry about what the world says. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. All of those are regulations. All of those are doctrines of men. We must seek in, in the Word of God what God wants us to do and follow that. All of those are commandments and doctrines of men. Verse 23 says, These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. You see, they sound good, but what they are, they have just an appearance of wisdom, and they're, but they're not wise. They are, in, in essence, a self-imposed religion. Did you know that a lot of people will say, oh, i got to go to church. It's Sunday, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, i got to go to church. Sunday night, I've got to go to church. Wednesday night, I've got to go to church. I've got to, I've got to. They, they don't say, I get to. You see, they, they say, I've got to, because their religion, they have, their idea is that that's demanded of me to go, whether I, I've got it in my heart to go or not. And you know, the thing, the, the thing about it is, is if you're not coming with the right heart, it does you no good to come. When we come with the heart of love for God and seeking to worship Him, that's when we have true communion with Him. And it's not a self-imposed religion. It's not false humility. What it is, is a true meeting with God. Because if we've got that self-imposed religion or that false humility where it says um, there's no value against the wiles of the devil in religion just going to church there's no value just making sure that you you've got your check and, and that or you, you checked off your attendance sheet and and uh, you did your Bible readings and all those things all of those things you see without the heart behind it it does no good it's of no value whenever whenever we come to worship it is a call for us to sacrifice ourselves to the Lord, allowing Him to have us. Not only just during this time, but especially during this time, so that He can speak to us, live through us, direct us in what we are to do and how we are to do it. And when we follow Him, that is the benefit of the kingdom. That is the growing that we experience that is given by God. But it means that we must die to self and that we must put, make Christ the head so that all of the, all of the things that he has for us, the plans that he has for us can be 
uh, forwarded because we are following him. Without us seeking Christ, if we're just going by a set of rules and regulations and, and by tradition, by the way that we've always done things, then it is sometimes a useless religiosity. And what we need is a life-changing faith walk with God. We don't want to live a life of no value. We want to make sure that as we are submitting ourselves to God, that He is in charge of us and our life. So tonight, as the writer says, don't let anyone judge you according to what they think is right. If you're living by this, you're living by the laws of God. You're living by God's Spirit. If you're seeking the will of God, you see what you are doing is you are submitting yourselves to Him. Make sure that you make Christ the head. Make sure that you give Him preeminence and place Him on the throne of your heart and life, following Him all the time, every day. Die to self, seek Christ, and we will have a life that is full of value. There won't be a useless religiosity about our life or the way that we do things. It will be a vibrant, living, alive relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we don't have to worry about sacrifices. Uh, we don't have to worry about the sprinkling of blood and, and all of those things that those regulations and things that pointed to you that were in the Old Testament. I thank you that you have fulfilled all of the sacrifices for us and that you completed the work and that all those things were done so that we could have everlasting life in your name. And Lord, help us to live up to that. Help us to make sure that we are keeping our end of the covenant because we follow you we praise you, we seek you, and Lord, when we do that, we glorify you. So Father, tonight, I ask for your will to be done in your people. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.